Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena, United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey, everybody, it's great to be together with you today. We are going to continue on in our conversation that we started last week about what it means for us to reflect the image of God, to have the image of God, and to reflect that out into the world around us. If you were with us last week, I think you're going to find a lot of great continuity between last week and this week. So welcome back. Uh, If you weren't, I'd encourage you to go check it out. You can either worship with us for last from last week, uh, or if you just want to go listen to the sort of the sermon content, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, it was super helpful for me, like straightening some things out, and I feel like I learned a lot in the process. Um, and I think not only will you learn something, maybe, but uh, it'll also add meaning not just to today, but to the weeks ahead, um, as we're going to be having this conversation uh, for the next little bit together. Last week when we were together, and don't worry, we won't. You know, if you missed last week's, you'll, you'll be good today. No worries there. Um, last week when we were together, we kind of hinted uh, towards Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 in the Bible, uh, where it says that God created humankind in God's image and in God's likeness. Um, we hinted at it and spent some time in another scripture. But today, uh, I want us to go back and deal with that passage uh, a little bit more earnestly. And I've got three good takeaways uh, that have been helpful for me Uh, as I think about what it means that I am an image bearer of God, that I represent God in the world around me all day and every day. Um, When I do that well, and uh, and when I don't, (laughs) when I do that, uh, when I do that poorly. Um, I'd like to read uh, just a little bit from the creation narrative, right? It's this beautiful, like, poetic explanation of how the world was created. Um, And I want to start just by reading the beginning of that. And then I'm going to jump down to where humans are created, uh, kind of for, for my first takeaway. So um, here's, uh, here's how it starts, right? The whole thing. Here's how it starts. In the beginning, in the beginning, uh, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, right? You sort of get this idea, this image of like a primordial soup kind of bubbling away in chaos. And then it says, while a wind from God swept over the face of those chaotic waters, right? And uh, sometimes we translate that word as uh, wind blowing. Uh, I think there's also a real significant connotation of the spirit of God brooding, like hovering over the waters, like a mother hen hovers over her nest uh, to bring forth life. And that's what we see God doing. God, all throughout this story, brings forth order out of the chaos, and out of that order comes life, right? And we get the first, uh, then God said, and then God said is going to set apart like every day where God's creating something new. It says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. 
And over and over again, every single day of creation, humans are created on the sixth day of creation. Um, God says, let there be. And then whatever God says, there is. Um, God's creative work, God's creative energy, God's creative power, just out of God's words come the thing that God commands, right? Um, now, I'd like to pause there before we read about humanity, because I want to set up for you what I think would have been like a really different understanding of what a God is and does in the ancient world. The ancient world would have understood that kings command things, and then those things happen, right? It was a jobs, a king's job to say things. Those things that the king said were commandments. Whatever the king would command, um, people, servants and slaves would have run off to make happen. And the king was often seen as the embodiment of the gods on earth. So Pharaoh, for an example, would have been the embodiment of the sun god, Ra, and the sun god on earth would have commanded pyramid, and then pyramid would have happened. It would have happened on the backs of servants and slaves, but one person had been given power by the deity, had been given deity-like powers to control all of the people on the earth to make happen whatever that king, the embodiment of God, would have commanded. So some of this would not have seemed surprising at all to people. They would have been familiar with how a king commanded and then those things came into being. But what we see pretty quickly is that this God operates very differently than any other king slash God in any other places in all of the ancient land that people, as they read this, would have understood. So I want to skip down to 26 and 27 now to kind of highlight uh, my first takeaway and part of that difference. It says, then, so this is day six, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, image and likeness. We talked about this last week. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over every wild animal of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image in the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Here we have the moment of our creation. What's fascinating to me as I read this, not just with modern eyes, but as I try to think about how those who have been reading it over the course of history would read it, this is a huge difference. God does not create us to be servants. God creates us to be stewards, to be stewards. God does not create us to be slaves and servants who run off and make God's creative word happen. God says like humans run off and as slaves and servants in obedience to the king, right, run off to make that thing happen. And we don't, we don't see that. That's not the pattern of this God, right? This God creates us to be the image bearers, right? It was the king's job to be the image bearer of God on the world as they controlled all the other slaves and servants. But here what we see is that God creates all humans to bear the image of God, not to be servants, but to be stewards of all the things that God has created. You see the difference there? I think that's a really important difference for us to highlight. God doesn't create us to be servants, but stewards. And as stewards, our job is to have dominion and to subdue 
the world that God has given us and all the animals uh, and plants that live within it, right? That's our responsibility. Now, when I hear the word dominion, when I hear the word subdue, I have some very particular images of that in my mind. I want to come back to those in just a second. But our job is to have dominion the way that God has had dominion. And how have we seen God in this story have dominion so far? God broods like a mother hen above the chaotic waters and brings forth order, and out of that order brings forth life. As the image bearers, as the representatives of God in the world, as stewards of God's creation, God has given us this work to do. Our job is to have dominion like God has dominion, to hover over things, to bring forth order, and from that order, to bring forth life. This is, this is our work. This is our work, right? Which leads me to my second takeaway. Our creation is our calling, right? Our creation is our calling. Uh, our calling may look different over the course of our lives when the Spirit moves in us. You know, we talk about calling in that way pretty regularly, and I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying that every single one of us, by virtue of our creation, is called to be steward. That's what we see here. Like, we are created in the image of God, being created in the image of God. People who were in the image of God, they had a role and responsibility in the world, right? And, and we, because we bear the image of God, every single one of us, not one who we call king, but all of us, by virtue of our creation, we bear the image of God, and it's our responsibility, our calling, to live into our created purpose, right? Which is to steward and to care for all of the creation that God has made. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Um, last week when we were together, we talked about how, um, you know, that's not the end of the story. We're created. That's our human nature. We're created in the image of God. But that very soon in the story, we experience what we call the fall, right? Where Adam and Eve transgressed the one rule that God had given them, do not eat the fruit of this tree. Um, they did that. And we talked last week about all the different ways that the church over the course of time has talked about uh, sort of the human condition. What is it that that thing that we call sin, right? What is it that sin has done to our human nature? And we know that at times in church history, uh, even now in our theology, we talk about how uh, sin, when it entered into the equation, so distorted, so broke the image of God in us that we no longer bear the image of God, that that's no longer a reality for us. But that we believe, um, kind of more scripturally, like more holistically, if you look the full story of scripture, uh, if we look Christologically, right, if we read scripture, particularly through the lens of Jesus, what Jesus has done, um, and we listen to other voices in the church, we hear a, a different narrative, that that, that nature that we were created in, we're created with the image of God, that that nature still exists within us, but that uh, sin so distorts that nature in us that we, we cannot reflect the image of God in the world perfectly, right? It's a distorted version of that, uh, that sin sort of, sin and death have dominion over all of the good things in creation as a result of that moment. And that God spends the entire story of scripture trying to restore us, trying to heal us from the sickness of sin. And that that's exactly what the grace of Jesus Christ does in us. It heals us from that sin sickness so that we can once again reflect uh, the image of God buried deep within us once more. Uh, we have been using the image, uh, the metaphor of mirrors, this idea that we're created. Our nature is as a mirror designed to reflect the nature and character, the will and the way, the love of God 
in our lives and with our lives out into the world, but that those mirrors, by virtue of our human condition, have so distorted, like they make, like smear muck and mud on our mirror so that we're no longer able to reflect those things perfectly. Um, but that the grace of God through Jesus Christ is kind of the windex for our mirrors and the balm for our sin-sick soul uh, to heal us so that we can reflect those things more fully and more perfectly. God doesn't make us servants. God makes us stewards, stewarding the creation, reflecting the nature of God, the, the image of God that is within us. Like that is our work by virtue of our um, creation. We are all called to that work. But we do, like we exist we exist in a condition in which the sin is distorting that thing within us. And so this is my third takeaway for us today. And I, I think this is our word of challenge for each of us all day, every day in our everyday, ordinary walking around lives. Um, when we misuse or refuse the Imago Dei, we refuse to, to name the image of God that's within us or when we misuse the image of God within us, um, we disparage God in whose image we are created. Um, the image of God in us gets, gets very distorted, right? So I, in other moments of time, as we've been kind of talking about these things, I say that uh, when God created the world, God created the world not just to look a particular way, like in a state, but created the world to work together in a particular way uh, that the old rabbis called shalom, uh, which is the side of connotation, not just of peace, which is the absence of violence, but harmony and flourishing, everything working together like a well-oiled machine, like it's supposed to work, like for the benefit of everything else. Uh, or uh, to use the Hebrew word that God uses for good, like tov, right? That it is as it should be. Um, but that we felt like we could reorder things in a way that benefited us more. And that's the decision that we made in the fall and go on making. That's the distortion that takes place. So much so that we see Basically, from this point forward, with a few exceptions all throughout the Old Testament, any other time we see the word image of God used, we're not pointing to our human nature. We're pointing to images that we create in our own image and then worship, right? And we call that thing idolatry. God, in, including in the Ten Commandments, God says, don't make any images of me. Well, God commands that because God has already put God's image in the world in all of us, right? In, a, in humanity. Idolatry is like centralizing our place as God, not made in the image of God, but centralizing our place as God, and then making other things in our image and worshiping them, like giving them power over us. And God says, this is the backwards way to do it, right? And image of God, because of the distortion of our human condition, because of the distortion of sin, from that point forward, um, you know, image of God means something else entirely. It's kind of this upside down version of what God intended when God put God's image in all of us. I think another way of saying that is goes back to the word dominion and subdue. Like when I hear those words, I think of dominion like, I will dominate, like you will bend to my will, like He-Man fighting a Skeletor or like whatever supervillain you want to name. Like there's this idea that dominion means to control, that subdue means to, to force others into your will. And I think that a lot of times... Even the church, like when we have read these words, we have read them in an upside down reality. We've read those words in our kind of corrupted understanding of what dominion and subdue mean, not in the way that God has done it here in the story when God created us and appointed us to this work, but in this distorted and broken sort of way. I think when we refuse, not just misuse the image of God, but when we refuse to see the image of God in us or in others, we do the same thing. 
we don't bring the fullness of what God has given us to bear in the world, to do the work that we've been called to do um, in us. We, we, we leave that on the sidelines. We steal dignity from other people when we don't recognize that they've been created in the image of God like we have. Or when we refuse to see that in ourselves, we miss an opportunity to, to express the will and the way, the nature and character, the love of God back out into the world. When we misuse or refuse the Imago Dei, we disparage God, who we represent in the world, right? In whose image we are made to represent God in the world, to be stewards of all of God's creation. And I don't know what that's like for you, but for me, like my human nature and my human condition, they feel like they're always kind of at tug of war with each other um, in my heart, like in my life. And I believe that part of what we're called to do, and you know, we'll, we'll be talking about Jesus next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. What Jesus desires to do is to heal us from this tug of war so that we can reflect the image of God most fully in our lives again. And part of what we have to be willing to do is, is to name when we're in that wrestle, like when those things are at tug of war with each other, and to ask God through the grace of Jesus Christ to help heal us from that thing. When we want to dominate and subdue we have to ask God to help us brood so that we can create order in life in God's good creation. Um, I This is not like a perfect example, uh, and it certainly is not a direct reference to what it means um, to, to bear the image of God, but I, I, I have felt this tug of war in, a, in an entirely unrelated sort of way, and I kind of want to name it for us now because I think, I think it I don't know. It speaks to like how it feels in me, not just what it is. I want to take us out of the realm of theology just for a second and put it in like, like what it looks like to struggle with this day in and day out, like inside myself. Um, my dad called one day and said, you got to bring the kids by to see the bear in my basement. And I said to him, I've got a lot of questions that I'm going to need you to answer. Starting with, why is there a bear in your basement? Why would I bring the kids to see it? And why is it not gone yet? Uh, to which he then informed me that the bear was not alive, to my great comfort. Um, apparently, my two younger brothers, uh, a little over a year ago, went on a hunting trip, uh, bear hunting. Uh, they got a bear, which is apparently a big deal. You don't get a bear every time you go bear hunting. I've never been bear hunting. I didn't know these things. They were so excited for my brothers that they, the people that took them on the hunt said, we'll take care of the bear for you. They said, great, that's fantastic. Um, fast forward a year. Uh, the same people that took them on the hunt call my dad and they're like, hey, we're going to drop the bear off at your house. Can you meet us there? My dad's like, what do you mean by that? And this pickup truck rolls in with a bear in the back. It's uh, It's been stuffed and mounted. It's on all four paws with one up on a rock and it's just staring at you. Um, so they have now this stuffed bear in their basement. And I asked my dad, like, what's that like to have a bear in your basement? He said, well, when I forget that it's there, it makes me jump a little bit every time I go down the stairs. And I made fun of him for that, which I should not have done because I took my kids to go see said bear. And when I did, I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mess with my kiddos here. I'm going to go up and I'm going to kiss this bear on the nose and I'm going to scratch its little chin just like this. And so I did, I walked over to the bear and the closer I got to the bear, the harder that became. Um, I knew in my rational, reasonable self that this bear was stuffed. It had been dead for a while. It had not moved. It was no threat to me. But I was sweating and my heartbeat started to increase because there was something like hardwired deep inside of me 
to be terrorized by this thing. I have like thousands of years of ancestry telling me this thing's about to eat your face off. Why are you going near it, right? And those two parts of me were in this like epic struggle, like within myself. I could like feel them at tug of war. I eventually overcame, scratched it on the chin, kids his nose. My kids are like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Then I convinced my son to try. I watched the same thing happen to him. And then of course, when he got real close to the bear, uh, I said, rawr. And then I was a great parent. Um, but um, that, that tug of war between like what I know to be true about my nature and character. And then this this other part of me, this corrupted part of me that's like, no, that's not how we do it. We, we subdue and we dominate. Like, this is how we operate in the world. Um, that, that struggle is real. That struggle is real. And I think part of our responsibility, if we're going to be image bearers in the world, is to recognize when we're creating idols, to recognize when we're having dominion in a way that is inconsistent with the nature and character of God, the way that God would have dominion, when we are refusing to see the image of God in others, people that God has created in God's image, when we refuse to see that image in us for whatever reason, um, to recognize that God has created us with a point and purpose, not to be a slave or a servant, but to be a steward with good and important and rich and meaningful work to do in the world. And when we rob God of those opportunities, whether by misusing or refusing to see the image of God in others or ourselves, we who represent God in the world disparage God whose image we bear. So here are the two questions I want to ask of you today. The first is this. If our creation is our calling, how are you stewarding God's good creation and all that's in it? Like basically, I'm asking myself, am I reflecting God's way of life-giving cultivation of you know goodness, uh, using my God-given gifts of skilled mastery to do that? Or am I kind of enforcing my own need to control and advance, subdue? You know? The second question is this, if refusing to notice, name, or acknowledge the image of God in myself and others leads to the same outcome as misusing, our position as image bearers of God. In whom do I most need to notice, to name, and to acknowledge the image of God, right? That they are created in the image of God too. Um, basically, I'm asking myself that question, like how would that change the way I interact with them? Uh, how would that change the way I understand myself? How would that change the way I offer dignity to someone else or, or offer grace uh, to myself in the midst of it? At the end of the day, uh, we are called to be stewards. We're given what we need by virtue of our creation to do that work. We're in a terrible condition, right? We're in a terrible condition, but God does not want to leave us in that condition. It's our calling to invite God to help heal us uh, from those things um, that harm us and others so that we can reflect the image of God most fully in the world again, the will and the way of God, the nature and character of God, the love of God, both for ourselves and out into the world around us. And so uh, I'd like to invite you to join me as we pray and ask God to do that very same work in us. Uh, Lord, we are grateful uh, that you come and you sit face to face again with us. Uh, every time we turn away and our love fails and we step into moments of uh, allowing that condition um, to have control over the nature and character that you've placed within us, we ask that you would sit together with us face to face again today in this moment. And that you would begin doing the work of healing in us that allows us to be stewards as you have called us to steward your great creation and to offer dignity to others and to ourselves 
as we name, acknowledge the image of God at work in them and in us most fully. And we ask that you would continue to do this in us until we are fully healed, until we are fully healed by the great grace that you've offered us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, FVUMC.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.